0: You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation.
1: Hi everybody, it's America. We're back for another session of In the Open. Teresa's here with me. Hey, we're ready. So we're following along on our series of trauma and then moving into healing. And today's conversation is going to focus on learning how to love yourself. So I've been thinking about this since I got up this morning. I'd love to just share a couple of thoughts that came up for me and then see where that takes us. The first thought that came to my mind was, I don't identify as somebody that has this big T trauma, but if nobody had ever told me that the things that I've experienced could be interpreted as trauma, I wouldn't have seen it that way. So I didn't connect the two until much later. So now that I'm thinking about it more and more, I'm like, wow. Even little things that I think I think are little things could be interpreted as huge things in how now I function as an adult. And that then plays out in how I respond to what I need and love myself, right? Which I was like, "Oh my god, why are these things all connected?" But they are,
0: yeah. So tell me about your your process. Like you would say that you are a person who felt like you loved yourself, yes, and you're kind of discovering the ways that your traumatic experiences get in the way. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What what ways has it impacted you?
1: the way it's so interconnected between who I am right now and my personality Mm -hmm. and how I never really understood that a certain personality trait was a response mechanism to some situation in my life that X thing made me feel X thing. And now it's just so ingrained in my nature that I own it and I love it, you know? So for me, for instance, We talked a little bit about this last time around order and systems, like my brain needs order to function when there, when there's chaos, even when things are like lying around in the house, I don't do well. My, my brain doesn't allow me to really feel comfortable. So I have to like straighten up, have things in their place. And then I'm like, yes, I can go forward. And that has to come from somewhere. It didn't just exist. And when I think about my childhood, I probably would think and chalk it up to the fact that I felt very comfortable in the space that I had when I, when I was little and I wanted it just to be like my safe space. Nobody could go in my room. I didn't want anybody touching my things because I was so keen on keeping things just as they are. Mm -hmm. And if you touch it, you put it back yeah, so
0: you needed a safe space This started in your early childhood. How does it get in the way of like, I know you've talked about this. It gets in the way of your relationship because you you are with people who don't maybe abide by the sense of orderliness that that you would like to keep up?
1: You know where where it it runs into now more than ever. I didn't really experience this as much before, but, you know, my fiance is very different than I am. He doesn't function in that way. So where chaos, like having things thrown around the house and doing things like last minute things, he's like fine with it. He kind of flows with it. And having that contradiction, you know, completely against my like, wait, we need to plan seven months out about what's going to happen. That's where I see it the most. And I'm like, wow, why can't I just be like you? I could like not plan. And when I try to do that, inevitably something will happen. Let's say we haven't planned anything and we decide, oh, let's go out for a walk or some random thing and something else happens. And inevitably the conversation turns to, oh, we could be doing these other things. And my brain automatically is like, oh yeah, We could do that. You know, if we start thinking about it, we could potentially do that in a month. We have time. And so that process is so ingrained. But what if I could stop it? What if I just hit pause and not think that way?
0: Well, but I also hear you saying that even though it can cause problems in your relationships, you've turned this to seeing it as a strength.
1: Now, yeah. I mean, it is a strength too. And is that the process
0: of learning to love ourselves is to let go of this expectation of who we're supposed to be (laughs) and to just accept who we are?
1: I think so. It is a process of that I've, I've come to understand how it's a strength. And I also recognize it can be a detriment. So being able to balance that is, I think, part of the growth and saying, that's okay, yo, Yeah, you're bossy as hell. That's fine. It works and it doesn't sometimes. But you know what? You rock. Like, I'm there. Yeah. Because I think the
0: automatic feeling that causes problems is like shame, right? Or like Mm -hmm. this thought that whatever you did was bad and you need to fix it. Mm
1: -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Like your bossiness or the fact that you fix problems, that you're known as the fixer. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about that. That's a story or a phrase that everybody told you, well, like America is the fixer. When I say that today, does that cause you pain?
1: I like the fact that I recognize it. I feel comfortable with that. The but there's like this tiny feeling that I'm like yes I am but I can say no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know because I've learned to to put that boundary up for myself and I think that's only come with time it it there's no other yeah. rationale behind it and learning yeah. I think too like I was I was having a conversation with my niece who's um what she's like ten. right right around an age where she's learning how to present herself to the world, understanding what works. And I said, you know, you're like a fabulous kid, right? She was like, yeah, I know. And and I was like, that's great. Regardless of what you look like or anything, you have to know that even when you doubt yourself, right? And and she's kind of looking at me like, why are she talking to me about this? <laughs> but I, in many ways, I see so much of myself in her that it's like I'm talking to my childhood self. And it's like, it's okay. It's okay, dude. Like, you don't have to have it all figured out.
0: You don't have to be the fixer.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't have to have all the answers. It's a lot of
0: pressure for a
1: little kid. Yeah. My story isn't, like, unique in any way, you know. None of ours are unique. We put, yeah, it's like – We give a snippet of what it
0: looks like. Yeah. and Because it's so common, actually. I just wish that more people talked about this stuff, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: About I think- the, the challenges of turning inside and inward and really trying to figure out what gets under your skin and what mm-hmm. makes you the most afraid. Because I think that's what gets in the way of loving oneself is fear. Yeah and insecurity and because that is what trauma does to you right it makes you second guess yourself in the context of your world
1: all the time yeah all the time and i think it's worse when you don't have people in your corner that that are there that tell you
0: it, or yeah, or things. your life, or yeah. what's the evidence yeah. against these thoughts that you have in your head? A hundred percent.
1: So the world is like bombarding you with all this negative stuff, and and so in many ways you have to create an armor to fight all that stuff off, and in turn, internally be like, no, I know I can do this. I, it's okay. I got this. You know, and but that in itself is really hard. Yeah. Well, and
0: sometimes do the work to repair relationships so that you are building the life that surrounds yourself with the opportunity
1: mm-hmm.
0: to have healthy boundaries and to have love and safety. Yeah. I'd say the same is true for me. Um, yeah. I mean, if people have been listening for a while now, I, I've i recently struggled with this idea that I don't matter or that I'm alone. Man, I don't know. I'd say three months ago, I couldn't even say that out loud without crying, you know? Mm-hmm. But it took a long time to figure out how much it was bothering me. And since leaning into that space and trying to focus on what does matter and how I do matter and letting go of relationships where I was working really hard at mattering for people, but they were never going to give me what I needed. And I don't know why I clinged on to that. That's been freeing. But that's been an interesting process because it required an orientation in my mind and my actions and letting go of some things that I like maybe inappropriately attached myself to something that I thought had meaning. hmm to fill a void and it wasn't working, but I gave like three years to that.
1: But see, knowing your story, I can understand that because before when, when you talked about, you know, being a kid and not really having a lot of friends. And so yeah. when, when you find people that in some way are demonstrating some sort of nicety towards you, you do cling because you're like, Oh, I found it. And then, now you, you've only been able to be like, no, what I thought was nice really isn't nice. I know now that I deserve better. I'm still emotional about
0: it, but like, yeah, you know, you, for people who have to leave their family behind to find a new family, mm-hmm. to say like, oh, these fa- this family that I wasn't born in is a family of choice. But it's a family that cares about me.
1: Yeah, definitely true. I think we're
0: told so many rules in society. I don't know, especially like certain cultures, but you know, like blood is – whatever that phrase is, that's not even true. That stupid phrase, like what is it? Blood is thicker than water, which is not true Mm -hmm. because that's also like – also about witches (laughs) except for the coven or something like that. And like what I remember reading that and be like, ah, it's – everything
1: is fake. (laughs) <laughs> it's been used incorrectly. Everything is
0: fake and being used to like keep you tied to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, And it's not like, I've also oriented myself towards other specific family members who are giving me back the things that I would want from a relationship that I ignored before because I dismissed them. And so it's not a hundred percent like all or none. I think you have to go. I think the biggest thing that I learned was, I just spent so much time not feeling well, and I got really used to that. And it's wild because I told you about, you know, knowing that you have to do hard work, but it's hard to have insight. And I don't know what builds insight. Like, what builds these aha moments that finally lets you see something for real for the first time, even though you know that you've been chipping away at it for for years. So, and that's and that's what sucks about learning to love yourself is it's so slow and you're not yeah. ever like I don't if you don't ever know what it looks like to truly love yourself, I don't know what my end goal looks like. Like what does it look like to love yourself? How do you know you've made it?
1: I I don't think there is an an end goal like Yay, I've reached this finish line because I know you said that, but there's got to be like some measure of like more than, right? There, the more than is the fact that you are able to say today into words, I matter compared to three months ago. Yeah. That for you is specific.
0: And not putting myself in situations where I'm continually hurt. Right. And allowing myself to put myself in situations where I am
1: appreciated and loved. And and are able to receive that because yeah. that that's hard for you, right? So that looks different for me. For me, it's telling people, no. Yeah. You, you need help? I'm going to give you 30 minutes. That's it. And <laughs> not going out of my way to just do the crap that I would normally do and then... You have to run myself ragged because I've put myself last.
0: Last, yeah. Taking care of everyone yeah. else and that's, not you. that's
1: loving yourself. I had, oh my God, I had, you're talking about these like wow, revelation moments. They come and go because I don't think that unless you have clearly identified what it looks like. And this could be something that you do and you're and like us you're like on a wall you put I'm going to say no to somebody who asks me for a favor. I am going to go and walk for 30 minutes uninterrupted. And those things could work. They definitely work cuz you can see them and there's something that you can check off. A lot of people may function well in that space. I don't have to check all these things off. I had it all in my head. I check them off in my head. But The moments where I find this uh aha, the other day I was having this conversation and it was later at night and I was like, I need to go walking. And my fiance was like, why are you going to go so late? And I was like, because I haven't had time all day. Like, (laughs) what difference does it make? He's like, but it's late. And literally out of my mouth, I was like, you know what? I need 30 minutes for myself. I'm going to go do this right now because I have the time. And he was just looking at me like, okay. (laughs) But that was really important. Yeah. And that was, you know, now I'm having the revelation like, oh, look at that. You did something you said you were going to do.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting because I feel like this question of learning to love ourselves also runs up against this other question a lot of people ask me, which is like, am I selfish? Mm Mm-hmm. Which is tricky because in some parts of recovery when we're angry and we lash out and we take up space and we demand a lot, <laughs> we are being selfish in that we're self-focused. We're like only thinking of ourselves and not and caught up in the storm of that space. But mm-hmm. then setting boundaries on the other side also looks like taking appropriate space for yourself yeah. and not feeling guilty about it.
1: Yeah, it's it's the label of selfishness though, it is it's received oftentimes as negative. Yeah. And why? Who who said that? So like let's just throw that out the window. Me being able to define better parameters for my well being. Yeah.
0: Well it's the people on the other side who are either genuinely impacted mm-hmm. by the consequences of our rage or who don't like the way that we're setting up boundaries
1: completely and that's where yeah. and that's where the conflict comes up because you're like wait you've always allowed me to do x i can do whatever yeah i remember being in my 20s one of my girlfriends you know she would struggle with the fact that when she had relationships they would just Call at the end of the night at, after their work day, and they'd just be like, "Let's hang out," but she's in bed chilling, and she would go, and it didn't work in her favor because it it wasn't as meaningful as she wanted. So you put yourself in a place where you're consistently putting others first, you are going to find yourself at the at the bottom rung of the ladder.
0: That sounds very harsh to me. Like you may put yourself consistently. It, and you're at the bottom rung of your ladder for sure yes, because yes. you haven't told the, yourself yes. that you're a priority you're not you're not elevating what you need or being able to express it appropriately so that other people can love you back appropriately right like totally. nobody can love you if you don't love yourself
1: totally i also see the flip side of that where somebody can say and i know some people in my head that i can hear them in my head say well what if i want that cool If you want that, you own it and that's the space you want to be in. But when you run up against the fact that you then are questioning your worth, then that's a a question for you that you have to struggle with and manage.
0: Yeah. There has to be some amount of giving and taking. You can't just give everything or take everything. Oh. And to even everything or always these are extremes, right? So then, in our brains, we justify it because we're like, "Well, it's not everything." We're like, "No, you, you know, you know how much you do, yes. and how much you give, and how much you take, and are you are you being fair? Are you doing it in a way that builds a healthy relationship with yourself and with others?"
1: You know, another interesting thing around kind of your story and and how I think it connects to other. F- stories and and conversations that I've had with folks is that you didn't, you didn't start this journey until much later when you were out of the situation you were in so that you could then be like, wow, let me look back and see what happened there. So I know for a lot of like young people, they're helping their families and there's no time within that space to be like, oh, well, let me think of myself.
0: I think there's a backlash period too where I was, you know, when I first got out and then all the anger, like the deep anger that I could never express came Mm -hmm. out full force and I spent a lot of time being very ugly to a lot of people. if I I felt ugly, like I felt like I was being ugly, like I knew this is not the way I wanted to treat people. And then I felt shame about that. So then I had to lock it in, do some work, and then start over. And then the starting over led to decades or years of avoidance, because then you don't know what starting over means. And you just I I used to think, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine where it is. (laughs) But that was the avoidance until life continues to force you because it's not enough. And I don't know where I am today, but I'm better today where I am than I was 20 years ago. And where I was 20 years ago is better than where I was 10 years before that. Totally, And that's all that matters, right? But it's a staged thing. I mean, the only consistency that I can hear between ours, my story, and your story is that you have to think back about the way that your life experiences are shaping how you see yourself and how you see the world and how you see yourself in the world and ask yourself, am I doing what it takes to take care of myself in relationship with others?
1: Is there a space there, too, though, to ask in relationship to yourself? Yeah, relationship to yourself
0: yeah. is first. Yeah. And then and then how your relationship with yourself affects your relationship with others.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I had to – sometimes I did not have people in my life around me who made me believe thoughts. I think that's why with the PubMed team we created that sticky note project, you know, Mm. you need affirmation. You need physical affirmation. I couldn't let my brain tell me what I needed to believe in the very earliest of days when it was really, really hard. When I wasn't even sure, like, oh, it's life worth living. You know, when the depression was the hardest back in my twenties. So like I remember just like plastering affirmations everywhere that I needed it. Like First thing I did in the morning, I had to be on the wall next to my bed because I needed to roll over and be like, You need to get out of bed. (laughs) Life is worth getting out of bed. You know, put some affirmations in my bathroom because, like, brush your teeth. You got this. And that's what that looked like in the early stages. My brain couldn't do it. And now my brain can do it. And it's, but what, and now that my brain can do the basics, like, Yes, you matter. (laughs) Yes you know, life is worth living. Yes, you are awesome. You are a good human being. Then it started to get, then it started bringing up those frames, the same stories, the same stuck thought, but in a deeper way, in a way that was more complete about why, why that one thing in my life was so hard to overcome, you know? And, and that's been pretty cool to watch my brain heal. Over the years, and see, like, it's the same story that I've been struggling with, but how I struggled with it at 10, 20, 30, and 40 has been different. And for the first time, I feel excited about where these lessons are going to take me in the future. And I could say that I never felt that before. I was never excited. That's very interesting. (laughs) To work through. My my crap, you know, was always like, oh,
1: it's still so painful. I think the reality that we all run into when we're working around the question, do I love myself? How do I love myself? What does that even look like for me is we don't know that we're not doing it well unless we compare to something. And it's hard to realize that once you've, once you see it and it's in your face, you're like, damn, why can't I do that? You know? Mm. And that only happens when I think it it happens in, in various ways. When you compare yourself to somebody else, you know, when you see something, a movie or something, you're like, wow, I wish I could do that and be so confident or whatever the case is. Right. And you're like, wait, Why can I not do that for myself? And that for me has been the starting place of exploring what does this look like for you in your life? And I worked with a therapist who, you know, helped me to understand, like, think about that little girl, like the six-year-old girl. And I was like, "Mm, all right, (laughs) it's just really going to do anything here. That inner child work. (laughs) Yeah. And then (laughs) when we did that work, I was like, that's so much. Now that I can process, you know, my, my adult brain can process and look back and I'm like, wait, that's a lot of stuff that you went through. I think the comparison
0: is interesting. The comparison, you know, in some of our episodes talking about mindfulness practices or meditation, I told you that I didn't like them. Mm-hmm. And there was a time where I was doing it a lot and it Help save me! Like I, ha- I had, to, I probably had to do meditation because it saved me from panic attacks. And but then I started to feel angry towards meditation, mm-hmm. and I think that I would see videos of people do it, and I would get mad. So I'm like, I can't do that. You know, it doesn't work for me. And these people just look so, I don't know, rich. <laughs> like you know, like it takes privilege to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I. I think I realize now that feeling anger towards specific practices is a reflection of my, my own frustration with myself and like something that I can see on the edge, but I can't access about a form of self-care that, you know, works for people. And I think lately I've been looking at more of those videos of people meditating or engaging in like sound baths or even just going to a rave, mm-hmm. going to a rave and just being in the moment, you know, and I'm like, and I don't feel as much anger because I think beneath anger is resentment and jealousy that you can't do something. And and that gives you a signal, like the ways that you are, not that you're in a stuck place about whether or not you can give yourself love or care something that i've heard about anger and jealousy and resentment you know it's like beneath it is is the resentment is about wishing that you could do something for yourself that you feel like you can't mm-hmm. something that you need mm-hmm. and i was like oh that's really helpful but i it's good now i'm like i can watch that and i can get excited about it and and that's pretty cool i've not actually done anything You know, because I also think there's the next level of bravery. You can watch it and not feel sad about it. But the next level of bravery is like doing the hard work. like Take the action to show that you can translate whatever's happening in your brain and the positivity you feel to doing something positive. And so, I mean, I'm, I am I. would love to go to a full-on rave or, like, go to sit at a guided meditation somewhere. It takes a lot of energy in my brain to think about where to find it <laughs> and, like, organize child care, blah, blah, blah. But so I have to start small, and that means, like, taking a walk or totally. prioritizing self-exercise.
1: Whenever I've come to this place where I'm like, okay, dude, fine. You've been feeling like crap. You want to do something about it? Stop talking about it. Stop talking about it. And this is all self-talk, you know. And I'm just like, if I hear you say one more time that you're going to do this (laughs) thing, you know. And I've I've had to, like, I have to do it. Or else. You have to do it, yeah. Yeah. Because this is
0: the final thing about loving yourself. We do take a lot of time thinking about Mm it. The harder thing is to do it. But when you do it, every action you take to do the thing that shows yourself self-love, it gives back tenfold more than just thinking it. Yeah. And it's effort. Yeah. And you ask yourself, like, why have you been robbing yourself of that? Mm -hmm. Why do you put yourself last? Why do you think it's okay to not love yourself in this way? What's telling you? What messages are telling you that? yeah all right then people keep on fighting in the open and loving yourself definitely until next time